0: The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM.
1: Assalamualaikum and welcome to the Book Club Show on Inspire105.1 FM. My name is Imrana and today is the Tuesday, the twenty fourth of September, and it is five past ten. I hope you enjoyed um that Nasheed by Shah Mercy, like the rain is falling down, which I think is quite apt this morning because I did the school run and um literally my feet were soaking and that was despite the fact that you know um we were quite kitted out we had our umbrellas and and everything but I hadn't actually thought about feet and wellington boots so um I would say the best way to describe how I was feeling is like a wet potato by the time I get home um but yeah so I had to um I have to buy myself actually a pair of wellington boots because my trainers were actually at home right now and they're they're drying hopefully and um Anyway, so today's uh, book club show, we are discussing the book, A Fly Girl's Guide to University. This is Being a Woman of Colour at Cambridge and Other Institutions of Power and Elitism. Um, And the reason that we're reading this book today is we actually have two of the authors joining us this evening in Luton at the Hat Factory. This is part of Dharamana Book Club, which I also run. And we're actually celebrating our fifth book. Anniversary we've been running for five years and um, which is absolutely amazing alhamdulillah Um, and it's just about really celebrating that journey tonight and hopefully uh, being able to discuss something really um, I guess relevant at the moment because there's many um, young people who will be starting university um, this month even this week and um, but it's more about really unpicking what does that mean we we know it, it's almost like um, as we're growing up there's this fixed trajectory that we have this idea that we are going to obviously study we'll go to school we will go to college and then we will go to university obviously that's not a journey that everybody is for everyone but for those of us who maybe do want to follow slightly academic route that is kind of something we just think okay it's going to happen and we don't really think about those experiences necessarily of getting to university and then once we're there how how does it make us feel what what is it that um shapes the person that we end up becoming as kind of, you know, fully grown adults, if that's the right way to um, put it. Um, so, today will just be really an interesting kind of exploration of that journey. Um, we will be talking to um, an educator a bit um, later on, um, who is Alsa um, Harris in the second half of the show. Um, but firstly, just to introduce um, really the book to you. So yes, it's called A Fly Girl's Guide to University, Being a Woman of Colour at Cambridge and Other Institutions of Power and Elitism. Um, and as usual, I'll start with the blog, um, sorry, the blurb at the back. And it says, Tony Morrison once said, if there's a book you want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. In 2016, four friends wrote the book they wished they'd had as an 18-year-old woman of colour going to study in the elite academic institution of Cambridge University. And what a book wonderful, fiery, radical, and brave. It uses multiple voices and forms such as memoir, polemic, poetry, critical approaches, to document their experiences as women of colour in an institution that they had discovered failed to validate or even acknowledge their heritage, their gender, their reality. As such, it is the book that many more that, that many, many more than its four authors will want to read, a book that very much needed to be written. Um, so when I started, um, reading this book, I think it was one of those things that straight away, it really, really did resonate, um, with my own experiences, I guess, of the education system, especially, um, at university and just generally as well. I think being, um, a person of color in this country, um, and growing up. With all the different experiences that we have, um, especially if we are parents who who um, are basically immigrants here, and what you know that that actually means. So I'm just going to um, read the preface. I think which will be really uh, a good introduction to really what. Um, the book is about but actually even before I do that um, I know it's a really interesting title so it's called A Fly Girl's Guide to University and obviously if you go and look up the Urban Dictionary uh, fly tends to mean anything that pertains to kind of being cool and hip and and something that's that's if I've got my lingo correct I'm not unfortunately a young person anymore Um, but in this context fly is actually an acronym which uh, stands for uh, freedom loving you Um, so hopefully as I read out this um, preface it will give an an idea of what it is that you know wha- how this actually book um came about so it starts off with a little um poem by a Wahid. uh it's actually one of my favorites so it says i will hold this space for your return i will hold this space because every of every one of your lives is our life this poem is searching for you 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 This poem will find you. And this is um, a uh, a poem by Naira Wahid and it's called The Immutable Measure of Black Life. So the words of Naira Wahid sit with me as I reflect on the process of writing and editing this book with three other women of colour. I'm grateful to know. There is no amount of pages that exist that could capture the experiences we have all had in our lives. No concoction of phrases that could adequately describe the feelings and emotions that walk with us daily in the spaces we enter, whether because we are welcomed in them or not. It is through this writing, however, that I have found a language to share in that honours the spaces we create when we inhabit institutions like Cambridge. Living within, yet beyond, those spaces with the audacity to refuse their questioning of our existence. Whilst our backs bear the burdens that the world lays upon them, they are also the strength upon which we stand, alone and together. The Oxbridge experience has a face and narrative attached to it. That face is often the main character in the story of white cisgender males as society has laid out a path to traditional positions of power. It is a narrative embedded in systems of oppression and serves as a proof point for the maintenance of old boys clubs. These institutions are aesthetically beautiful, but surrounded by ugly walls of insulation, ivory towers that allow others to look in and maybe enter, but never to fully participate. But that is not a complete narrative. So that's basically how the preface starts. And I think I will probably just interject here because um, my family and I actually just recently um, took, uh, a trip to Cambridge um, and the reason for that was because we wanted to go to see the new eco mosque that has been built which by the way is absolutely beautiful and stunning you you know so if you haven't been I highly highly recommend going to visit the eco mosque um, in Cambridge it's kind of one of those things where you understand that when we say what it, does it mean to be spiritual and be connected to um the divine. I think that is a space that definitely does it. The design, the architecture, the um, the, the you know the calligraphy, um, the inscriptions. I mean, there's. Everything that I think that when we want to be in a place which is going to uplift us spiritually, um, that is definitely a space. So I would highly recommend um, going to see the Eco Mosque um, and obviously, you know, doing your prayers there and and, and meeting um, the wonderful people that actually have kind of created that space. Um, They do um, tours. in the mornings, I think there's two tools. I think one's at 10 a.m. and one at 11 a.m., which you it's free, but you just need to um, register beforehand. Um, so, yeah, so our trip to Cambridge was um, obviously it was really lovely because we went to the Eco Mosque, but also it was my first time going to Cambridge. And this idea that um, many of us, when we think of Oxford and Cambridge, we do think of the universities. I know. Um, it's something our parents' generation were always, I think, kind of um, uh, really kind of intrigued by the idea that, you know, there's Oxford University, there's Cambridge University, we know that the one of the most pre- prestigious universities um, in the country, if not actually the world, because they're so well known. Um, I mean, I have relatives even in Pakistan who are like, you know, okay, if we ever come um, to the UK, we really want to go either, you know, to see, um, well, Oxford usually, actually. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so what is it about about these institutions that really kind of has everyone enthralled almost and um, wanting to yeah just literally go and visit these spaces and I thought it was really interesting because we did actually um, after our after we'd been to um uh, the masjid we did then um go to cambridge university and they were having kind of something called uh, open cambridge day where there were things you know um arts and culture spaces that you could enter for free um except actually so we were like yes okay we've got a freebie we'll be able to go into un- uh, the university but actually no they, they, it was ticketed um but yeah and the whole space outside the university was just full of people and you know mainly tourists um And which I guess we were also at the time um, in a way and just people sitting outside and I guess really admiring um, the building and just kind of soaking soaking in what it actually means. But it was really interesting for me because I'd already started reading um, this book that we're discussing today, A Fly Girl's Guide to University. Um, And this has been written by Lola Olufemi, Odilia Young, Weithwa Sabatindra and Sahima Manzur Khan. So they are the four authors of this book, A Fly Girl's Guide to University. And because I'd already started reading this, I suddenly felt so, so different in that space. Um, It really is making me think that, you know, we get so um we admire these spaces but actually are they really for us or were they ever um created with us and by us I mean um people of colour, you know, children of immigrants or however it is that you might um identify yourself, um, you know, BME and there's all these labels. Um and it was just one of those things that I know many of us who are parents, we perhaps we have um, you know ambition for our children, you know, or dreams for our children that they're able to go to Oxbridge, um, and to uh, go to kind of these elite institutions where they um will get you know ideally the best um, education that there is. Um, so I'm just going to carry on with the um, preface that I was. Um, Oh, reading um, so this preface is written um, by um, Adelia um, Young um, so she ca- continues to say um, there are those of us who find ourselves for a multitude of reasons on the other side of those walls within the ivory towers our existence is acknowledged as progress but only as long as we play the role in the narrative that is written for us studious quiet and grateful without intent to rock the boat but we do exist We are here. There may not be many of us, but we are very much present. These institutions must be made aware of this, even if they don't expand their spaces for us. We do not seek equal representation to take part in systems of oppression, but rather the ability to freely create and become without fear of obliteration. In the summer of 2015, I began to reflect on my time at Cambridge as my studies came to an end. I was a graduate student who who had found herself once more in the midst of a world shrouded in whiteness and its power and privilege. When I spoke to people about Cambridge, they too believed the narrative of the white cisgender male who graduated atop the rest of the country, the world at his fingertips. When I shared stories of police harassment, marginalisation and erasure, people either did not know whether to believe them as singular events or they sympathised at a surface level. But I'm not the only one who has ever looked around in fear or frustration when the ivory walls closed in around them. And I'm not the only one who has made it to the other side without being completely crushed by those walls. Yet, I also recognise that survival often comes from making sacrifices of self and being granted certain privileges. Through all of this, there are those of us who have to tell ourselves that it's okay if we did today, If all we did today was survive. This was a story I wanted to share. At first, I planned to write the story with a black male friend from my master's programme. I then thought I would write the story alone. As I began to write, however, I felt like something was missing. I was reminded a few weeks into my writing about FLY, the organisation for women of colour at Cambridge I had joined, and the blog in which these women had posted about the very topics I was penning to paper. I knew that without some of these voices added to my own, the telling would be incomplete. Even in this collection of four voices, the telling is incomplete, and there are voices we cannot and should not speak for. I hope then in, uh, in the sharing of our truths, others will do the same for theirs. Collectively, we begin to form the narrative that is often pushed to the peripheries of institutions such as Cambridge. However, just as Bell Hooks wrote, it is in these margins, these peripheries, that we have found our power, both individually and together um so there's a little bit more um to the preface but i think that's kind of a good place to perhaps you know just explore actually what it is about this book that makes it so um, powerful in my opinion it really is the idea that I'm um, going back to the blurb that if there's a book you want to read but it hasn't been written yet then you must write it by Toni Morrison um, that many of us um, I think we are sometimes in spaces it could be at work it could be at school it could be in any kind of um, environment that we're in that sometimes we don't see ourselves um, you know reflected you know even you know on TV or in the media now what do we do in this situations? Do we, you know, just sit and kind of complain the fact that, you know, why am I not represented? Why my story is not there? Why do not? Why can't I read about myself? Or do we actually go, you know, and actually do something proactive where we start creating those platforms for ourselves? I mean, I think for me, that's probably one of the reasons I ended. Um, I mean, I wasn't teaching, so I was part of the education system. But why they, I ended maybe, uh, you know, in the arts. I mean, creativity is something I was always interested in. But realising that actually that was where I could start creating spaces um, for the stories that matter. So my recent... um. Project called Echoes of the Diaspora. Um, it was basically giving a platform for you know um, the voices of missing women, um, and the idea that you know we re- it's really time that we ne- we want to be able to tell our stories. We don't want to continuously um, just be spoken for. And you know whether it's um, you know hijab or, or um, you know gosh I don't know all the other the stereotypes of jihadi brides or oppression, all the negative um, kind of connotations that that people. Um, associate you know just with the identity of being Muslim um, and I think that's why this book is so so beautiful it's about four authors uh, four women of colour coming together and just writing about their experiences and, and literally you know publishing a book which um, is has been published by Verve Poetry Press which is a publishing house in um, Birmingham actually um, who are kind of um, dedicated to um, giving a platform again to, to, to people of colour and you know diverse, uh, diverse books Um, so I think um, um, as the book mentioned it is a mixture of um, essays, poems uh, different prose pieces and it's really nice um, to read actually because it breaks up um, the chunks and it's really um, I think beneficial for anybody who's reading so you can dip in, dip out it doesn't necessarily have to be read um, in a particular order either Um, and I think The fact that there are young people at the moment as we said who will be starting university and us as parents or carers what conversations are we having with them i mean when i started um university i was probably one of the first in my family to to go to um uni and that obviously being because you know um my parents had come to from pakistan to the country when they were younger Um, and always having and wanting their children obviously to do well in education um and at the moment I know there's all these um things on social media about you know freshers week and come and do this and uh, come and talk to us and I just remember on my freshers week at university just thinking what on earth am I doing right why um you know I'm being encouraged to sign up to all these things so I'm in a completely new space um and it's with anything you're in a new space you need I guess time to settle you need to time to find yourself really and um I guess if there are any young people listening just to say that you know don't I think worry and don't pressure yourself that as you're starting university that you need to um you know uh, know everything already because you it's a new journey that you're starting and um i think the most important thing is just being comfortable you know in who you are and i think that question is really interesting one because as um you know women of color but also as um you know uh, muslims of Pakistani, Bangladeshi, um, Indian heritage, or you know, and obviously we're, we're quite diverse in, in Luton, whatever heritage background that we're from. I think that is one of the starting points. Are we comfortable in our skin? Are we comfortable with who we are? Do we have that confidence? Um, because once you start university, it's quite a different space from being a university, or being at being a college. You know, perhaps in a town like Luton, you know, it, it's possible that throughout. Uh, Your education kind of uh, system that you've been constantly with people that you've known in terms of friends or or family friends and cousins you know and but what is it that you know once we are out in the space and especially if you end up going to university out of town so if we're you know living in Luton you end up going to university uh, whether it's in London or or a different city again you know what does that mean and how do we um, make sure that we're comfortable in the spaces um, and you know, whether it's our relationship then with our kind of lecturers and, and this idea of just having that confidence, not only in the way we carry ourselves, but even in, I guess, the um, um, education itself. So depending on what degree that you've decided to do, um, just being able to have that confidence that you know you are deserving of that space you belong in that space um and if there is anybody listening who maybe has been um who has studied at cambridge or um or even oxford or any kind of maybe slightly elite um and I'm using the word "elite" in in quotation marks because it's just referring um, to the book. Because obviously the uh, subtitle is "Being a Woman of Colour at Cambridge and Other Institutions of Power and Elitism." Um, so one of the um, essays in the book is but is called "The Breaking and Making," the breaking and the making, becoming brown. And this is by Sahar Mansoor Khan. Um, and she begins by saying, "It was 8 a.m. on A-level results day when my offer to study history at the University of Cambridge was accepted." Almost 19, still in my pyjamas and very much in shock, I could hardly conceive at that time how monumental a change this would be for my life. Not just in all the ways it was supposed to be, not just because it was Cambridge and not even just because it was university, but more significantly because Cambridge was the first place I began to think of myself as brown. Um, So that is a really interesting um, start to um, Sahema's essay on this idea of being, uh, I guess, basically racialized and first um, experience of suddenly realising that being in such a white space, how you end up perceiving yourself in terms of your own um, identity. So we will be heading over the break um, in a moment. Um, So after the break, I will talk a little bit more about um, this essay by Sahema. And we'll also be talking to Arthur Harris, who is... um, uh, an educator, and um, just getting really her um, opinions and experience of, of university life and, and um, just education um, as a whole. So grab yourselves a cup of tea, and I will see you in a few moments. Assalamualaikum.
0: You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programmes from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. <clears throat>
1: Assalamualaikum and welcome back to the Book Club Show on Inspire One Hundred Five Point One FM. It is Tuesday, the twenty fourth of September at ten thirty, and my name is Imrana. Um, I hope you enjoyed um, the first um, half of the show. We are discussing today um, a Fly Girls Guide to University: Being a Woman of Colour at Cambridge and under in other institutions of hiring elitism, uh, written by Lola Olofemi, Odelia Young, Waitress, Sabitendra, Sahema, Manzuru Khan. So, we're four authors um, of this. And if if you missed it at the start, FLY, which is F-L-Y, is an acronym for Freedom Loving You, which was a group um, um, basically put together at the University of Cambridge for women of colour to be able to, it started off as a blog just to write about their experiences and anything that really they were concerned about or wanted to write about and that's um, how it came into fruition which now is obviously um, this book and it's talking about the experiences of being a woman um, of colour at Cambridge and we were just talking um, before the break about the fact that obviously there'll be young people at the moment who are starting university who might potentially be going out of town, maybe they even um, going to um, Oxford or Cambridge or one of those um, universities and actually how is it you know that they might be feeling at the moment or even maybe many of us who've been to university what is it or how did our experiences shape who we are now and you know in in terms of going in um, you know in terms of following our careers or um, even you know being parents you know what is it that those experiences as people of colour kind of um the impact that it had on us and i think it's really important to to um unpick these things and i was talking to um somebody actually um yesterday about their own um experience of being at university and they've just recently um completed their um postgrad and uh, i'm just going to read out uh, what that she um shared so it starts by saying my university experience was a weird one in undergraduate studies, I've moved so far away from home. So she'd grown up in Luton, moved to a small village near, not far from Cardiff. I'd find myself in the weeks to follow, asking myself, what in the world have I done? I was terrified and alone. However, a divine intervention, if that's what you want to call it, came along. And a few days before the Freshers' Fair, I had a dream that I was taking this speech in a mosque. Little did I know, back then, it was the Shahada. Come the day of Freshers' Fair, I found myself at the Islamic Society and took on all the resources I could get my hands on. It was such a magical first year of university. I felt so fulfilled knowing that I had this relationship with God and it didn't matter whether friends, in quotation marks, wanted to do some outing. I was happy with whatever decision I had made within myself. Then um, she goes on to say my postgraduate experience was different though. I felt like a newbie to education despite being freshly graduated from my undergraduate degree and going right back into education at 25. I felt like everything was a huge competition for success and attention. Maybe I was oblivious to it going on going into uni before at 19 but I certainly saw it then. In all fairness, it was very competitive and a highly demanding course, but it seemed like everyone wanted attention from lecturers. We were only a small group of twenty, so I felt more shy and, and able to hide away from my usual class sizes of sixty or a hundred, like an undergrad. So when I read this, and you know, thank you so much, um to Paris for for sharing that, um when I read this it really actually um I found it so interesting the fact that Actually, firstly, how different her experiences of undergrad and, undergrad and postgrad were, um, but also what she was saying at the end, that, that how she was feeling kind of this um, shyness from, I guess, firstly being in a in a small class, but also for it to be so competitive. And I think that is something that we, um, you know, I do find that it is the case, this competitiveness, which doesn't necessarily always mean, um, you know, something negative necessarily, but this idea that why is it then um, some of us feel kind of that shyness that is it really shyness is it that we're being um, reserved or is it the fact that we are actually in a space that we are questioning you know our belonging or um, are we feeling you know out of place for any reason I think that's why this book A Fly Girl's Guide to University is so important because when we are in spaces such as Cambridge or, or Oxford which are predominantly white spaces as is referred to in the book you know what what happens to our confidence levels? And does that impact then the way we see ourselves um, in, in that space? And do we feel that actually we deserve that space? You know, do we belong in that space? And I'm sure there's many of us that actually um have that feeling that we've earned it you know we've we've gone through the education system we've got our results we've done really really well we've put all that hard work in you know but it's yeah so it is one of those um really interesting um i think conversations um to have so we will be joined um soon um by um ilsa harris who's an educator to talk a little bit about um her experience um also and um so just before um, the break, we were, I was reading um, an essay by The Breaking, called The Breaking and the Making, Becoming Brown" by Suhaima Munzul Khan. And she was just uh, mentioned that um, Cambridge was the first place where she felt that she suddenly found herself or began thinking of herself as being brown. Um, so I'm just going to carry on uh, reading um, a little bit. Um, about that so when people were confronted with me they didn't see the person I knew me to be what they saw were two things my hijab and my skin color I wouldn't say that every single person treated me as such but for the many who had clearly never interacted with people who were not white before or in brackets who weren't from private grammar schools or those who had gained their only knowledge of Islam and Muslim women from mainstream media the feeling that I had to prove my individuality and thus humanity to people was overwhelming It was overwhelming when I was simultaneously battling the fact that student normality was not my normality. Drinking, clubbing and hoping to get with anyone were not high or even on my agenda. Indeed, being a Muslim before Cambridge had often distanced me from normality. But the student stereotype was even further from what I wanted to do or be. So how could I prove my humanity when I fell outside the norm of who was human in that space? My abnormality made me other. Yeah, so there's kind of really powerful um a few statements um that we've got here by um um Sahema. So, you know, it's it's a really wonderful essay actually to read. We're now joined by um Elsa Maharis, who's an educator, to talk a little bit about experiences of um just the education system really and, and, and young people and how um their experiences probably shape them um as they go to university. So um good morning, Elsa, are you there?
0: Morning, Emirana. How
1: are you this morning?
0: I'm fine, thank you. Fantastic. Can so, I just say one yeah, thing? Yes. You know, the, the the person who wrote that piece you we were writing, I think she was extremely lucky mm. that she didn't feel other until she went to university.
1: Right. That is so interesting, isn't it? So do you want to kind of maybe expand on li- that a little bit? So do you feel well, that many, actually, others would feel it sooner?
0: Well, it's, I guess it depends on your school life. Mm. Sure. You know, um, I can not talk from personal experience. As a teenager, I was in a school where I was the only black person.
1: Mm.
0: Yes, exactly. So you definitely exactly. feel other there. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
0: know, and, you know, and so I think she's lucky mm. that she was mature in some respects. Yes. Before she, she felt that and she might have been better able to deal with it because of that. Mm. I think if it starts when you're younger, mm. um, I think it can be really undermining.
1: Yes, yeah. No, I completely so agree. So, as
0: hard as it was for her, yes. hard if it was for her um, I think, because she'd had that stability,
1: mm, anyway. it might
0: have made her more able to deal with it, yeah. although it might have been more of a shock as mm. well.
1: Yes, exactly. Actually, you've just reminded me, you're right, because even my own experience of, of going to school, junior school, which was um, in London, I was, yeah, in a predominantly um, kind of white... Uh, you know space and yeah and just experiencing racism and, and now then when in my adult life moving to Luton and then you know so yeah I think you're right it is kind of completely different experience isn't it if you've experienced something very early on how you then deal with it but yeah definitely I could imagine the shock uh, which um which actually I wonder you know would be really lovely to maybe hear hello. from some hello can you hear me okay I'll s- OK, I think we've just um, lost Alsa, but hopefully we'll be able to um, get her back in a moment. But yeah, that was a really good point that Alsa um, made there that, you know, in terms of perhaps with um, Sahema saying that she felt the first time she'd been racialized or, you know, um, noticed that she was brown, so to speak, was once she'd got to Cambridge. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I went to, I experienced quite probably a lot of racism um but but you know we say racism, but even that in itself, actually the fact that it's um it it's what we call I guess microaggressions that you can't and maybe even at that age really kind of articulate what you've experienced, but you know that there's been some sort of prejudice or you felt kind of othered, which is probably the perfect way of of describing it. But then yeah, for then to go into a space like university and and coming back to actually the message from from Paris as well um the the fact that her experience of the um undergraduate and postgraduate was completely different I think I kind of felt the same so whereas my undergrad was at Queen Mary University and absolutely enjoyed it and made some wonderful friends who I'm still in touch with um to then going to um studying for my pgc at the institute of education and yeah just feeling very very different and 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 feeling um obviously where queen mary is based at mile end which is in east london and institute of education being in russell square in central london and again trying to occupy those um different experiences again for me were um was really interesting and coming back to us hemer was saying this idea that there's a culture of um just going to the students union and drinking and me opting for that that you know i need now need to go pray um So these little kind of um, things and, you know, the impact that has on on university life, I think, is interesting. So I think we have um, Elsa back online. Elsa, are you there? Yes, I am. I'm so sorry, we lost you. But, yes, so you were saying, yeah, in terms of um, how... Yeah, experiences are different if you've, um, depending on um, how you maybe had your school life. Um, so how do you think for yourself, primarily, because if you'd gone earlier on, you know, in predominantly white school, then how did that progression, I guess, impact you by the time you got to university? Is that something you can kind of well,
0: um, compare? Well, I, when I went to university, I was also one of only two black people in the in the department. Right, yeah. So, I studied history, and then yes. at that time, uh, not many black people from Britain
1: mm.
0: went to university. Right. Uh, mm. There were a lot of overseas students, mm. but not many who were born in the United Kingdom. So
1: yeah,
0: yeah, Again, you were kind of one of the few. Yeah. Um, and so so that was different. But I think for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I think for all young people, I think having that self-esteem mm. is critical. Yeah. Because I think if you know who you are, I think you mentioned that in one of the, yes when you were speaking earlier, if you mm. know who you are, mm. or you have a good idea of who you are, then it's easier to cope with these situations. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I think if you don't know who you are, mm. then it's very difficult. Because yeah. there's just so much. It's you say so when you first go to university yes. they say really there's freshers week, there's mm. all societies, there's all kinds of things going on. Yeah. And if you don't have a good sense of yourself,
1: yeah.
0: You can easily go off track. Mm. Very easily.
1: Mm-mm-mm.
0: You know, I mean yeah. you talked about the drinking culture. Mm. I never ever was part of that. It yes. wasn't part of my
1: mm. culture. Yeah.
0: You know. It had nothing to do with religion, but I yeah, I sure. you know, I just never grown up amongst heavy drinkers yes. or, so I never I hardly ever went mm. into a pub.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, because I just it's just not what I what I did. Yeah. And you know, there's plenty of other things to do. And it may seem like that's the popular thing. Yeah. But there are plenty of other things going on. Yeah. And there are plenty of people who feel exactly the way you do about it. Yeah. It's just finding them.
1: Exactly. That is such a good point actually because you're right, because it just it's, it's the way how everything is portrayed, isn't it? And then as soon as you think <coughs> of university and students' union, you automatically... I mean, I do anyway, and that's how I felt before Sai Uni. And um but you're right it really is about just searching that group that becomes your you know tribe so to speak that you just um share and you kind of have maybe similar values and um and it makes that kind of transition all that journey i think so much so much easier which is i think why the idea of this um having um the, the the fly kind of group at cambridge must have been so empowering for for the women that were that were part of that group um and so, what do you feel about, you know, at, at the moment in terms of um, university and this idea of, you know, Cambridge or Oxford? And would you know, did you have certain perceptions of those two institutions?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. I, I didn't even consider it. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: And there were two reasons why. A, I didn't think I was clever enough. Right. That's another story. Sure. <laughs> uh, but, B, I I, I did even then I felt it was a very elite place Mm. and I didn't want to go there I didn't want to be part of that whatever it was
1: yeah yeah
0: you know the way it was portrayed it just sort of I don't want to I don't know this is not me I don't want to go there yeah it wasn't even about education it was just Mm. about you know I don't want to be with those type of people yeah 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 (laughs) It's, you know, so you yeah. kind of excluded yourself anyway. Already,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. But
0: I know people who did apply and didn't get in. Mm. And I was astonished. Right. And they, they weren't black, they were white. Sure, yeah. But And they were very clever. Mm. But they didn't get in. And I just thought yeah. maybe they didn't come from the right background yeah, back then.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Because obviously there's also this... Um, conversation out around class and the fact that maybe if you've been to a grammar school as opposed to, you know, normal state school and, you know, so there are so many uh, conversations about how to even, I guess, get into Cambridge and I completely echo what you were saying because I don't, I it was never, ever on my radar. <laughs> it was never good and it, it's similar just thinking I'm not, I'm don't, um, you know, and I'm going to use the word intellectual because that's what I kind of associated um, being able to go to Oxford you had to be highly intellectual and you had to, you had to be mm. a certain way and that was just not, um. How i would have ever you know labeled myself and and even to be honest i remember when i did my PhD at the institute of education and our first uh, kind of introduction to to you know all a room full of you know um the future generation of teachers being you know told you with a kind of a creme de la creme right and just already thinking oh my god like what am i doing in this space right (laughs) (laughs) like really but yeah i mean just the whole language of how you're spoken to it's completely different, and, and I think actually, it's for some people, that must lead to a form of arrogance, definitely. And we we can see that of already course. when we look at our um, some of our politicians, without naming yeah. any. But um, it's inbred. exactly, yeah, yeah. I agree. They don't and,
0: even know they're doing it. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Mm. It's just part of who they are and how yeah. they've grown up, and mm. you know, it's just it's in them. But it's and, also and you, you have to deal with that.
1: Yeah, but this idea that obviously they have a sense of entitlement, but but the thing is, at the end of the day, and this is what um, the authors are saying in the Fly Girls Guide to University, that we have every right to belong and we have every right to be in those spaces. So how can we kind of um, empower and embed that in our young people? The fact that, you know what, if you are going to study hard, why, you know, there's no reason for you to think you can't actually be at these spaces, but how do we do that? How do we get that message across, do you think?
0: I think it's really difficult, but Mm. I think, you know, as I said earlier, it's about self confidence as well, mm. and it's about talking about it. It's about, you yeah. know, when I was teaching, we used to take kids to Cambridge in Year Nine to mm. so go mm. and have a look around and see what it was all about, and yeah. and meet uh, students of colour who 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 were there right. studying,
1: yeah,
0: you know, who could who could tell them about, you know. Mm that it was good and it was great and there were lots of opportunities. So that already you're, what you're doing is creating the things like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. This is a place maybe I could come to. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. about exposure yes. early. Yeah. Because some of the people you mentioned, are mm. like our politicians, they've been told from cradle, yes. you're going to Cambridge. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. it's inbred in them, you know, that mm. that's where they should be aiming. Yeah. And so in a way, we need to have those conversations with our children mm. and our grandchildren and say to them, you know, as good as anybody else, mm. no university is off, off limits to you. Yes.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, mm. go for it.
1: Yeah, and, exactly.
0: And I always say, you know, I grew up with this saying, it's a common saying, nothing ventured, nothing gained, mm-hmm.
1: right? Yes,
0: yeah, sure. If you don't apply, mm-hmm. then you're not going to get in. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, as exactly. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to apply, you have to put yourself out there, you have to take risks. Mm. To be successful in life, you have to take risks.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: And, and that's the same with education, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. you know, I know that I didn't do it because I, I didn't think, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I mean, I had trouble even just Getting people to think I was good enough to go to university, never mind go to Cambridge. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, that was kind of off limits Mm. in a way. And also, I think another barrier is that Cambridge applications have to be in earlier than others. Right, Oxford and Cambridge, they Mm. close their applications earlier. Mm
1: -hmm. So, you really. So, if you don't know about that, you know, exactly.
0: That can feel a bit intimidating. Mm. Or, why are they different from the rest? Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is. It's all these. Yeah, I mean, the, the. I mean, I. I use the word little, but but not in you know in in a way that actually, when you are in that space where you need to be more confident than maybe um, you usually would. Yeah, and it's like what you said about embedding it from a really um early age, and I think that that is definitely important. And because even I think you know on Twitter just yesterday was it the day before you know there was private schools was trending because obviously Labour, um again obviously there's no political affiliation but they were um suggesting um you know uh, a few things around um, the education system and then some people actually you know obviously the two camps the either ones are defending the idea of private schools and the others you know not so um but again i was just remember thinking god i can't believe this is trending (laughs) i was just thinking (laughs) of all the things going on in the world we're really still having this discussion and then this idea then of course of course of a of co- equality and representation and there's an essay in the book so fly girls guide to university where sahema talks about you know the burden representation i think even lola um is, alludes to it as well and um it's just it's true because actually though you might break that barrier and get into these institutions you then become um obviously yeah. a minority in a minority <laughs> almost and then you've got this burden representation so how do yeah. we then as people of color deal with that i, I mean, know about meant- that too. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's you know, been
0: my experience of the education system even as a when I went to, when I was a lecturer at a mm-hmm. College. Yes. You know, and again I think there were like two people who were black when I went there. Yes. And, you know, any time anything was required it'd wheel me out. Was,
1: yeah.
0: Oh, well, we could ask Elsa about this. Yeah. And I always had to process my response by saying, look, I'm just one black person. Yeah. I do not re- represent all black people.
1: Exactly.
0: This yeah. is my opinion. Yeah. You know, so, so it is a burden. And yeah. when I was at school, I was very conscious that a lot mm. of those people had never met a black person before.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I felt that how I was mm. would be their image of what black people were.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And so I was very, very, very conscious of that, and yeah. everything I did mm. was really done in a way in that context. Yes, yeah, exactly. So and that it's... that is a burden. Yeah, absolutely. But mm. I think um, I think you still have to be who you are.
1: Mm. Yeah, of course. And
0: yeah. I think you have to take the view
1: mm.
0: that it is not your job. Yeah. To, to represent mm. your, your racial group, your mm. subject, your, you know, you are you.
1: Yeah.
0: And if people want to take you as the example, mm. um, fine. Yeah. But if they get a misrepresentation as a result, mm. that is their problem, mm. not yours.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I completely agree with that. And, you know, and, and again, I think this is what I found so wonderful about the book. And if I found it quite, I um, uh, had to say kind of, uh, not uplifting isn't the right word, because actually, it was quite heavy uh, in some places. But being, again, the idea that there was a book that I could read and think, oh, that's exactly how I felt. Or, oh, my gosh, this is exactly... Um, the experience I had and just being able to read about yourself from from somebody else it, again it creates I guess that that um, kind of group where you kind of do feel I guess uh, you know empowered and you know so thank you obviously to to um, Lola, Adelia, Waythron and Sahema for, for the, the book itself and definitely it's it's something also we'll be um, discussing it today with um, the authors who are going to be joining us at the Hat Factory this evening um, at 7.30 and we'll be having an author event which is part of Dharma Book Club because we're celebrating our um, five years so it's um, you know something really wonderful and positive to be able to um, do and talk about and just being able to invite them to Luton. Um, so then, um, also, what do you feel in terms of um, the spaces, university spaces? Because what you were saying is, if we can um, start at a young age and we're exposing young people, mm-hmm. but is that enough? Is it enough to say, "Oh, you know what? You can also do it"?
0: Because do you think? Because no, this, no, no. I think you, yeah. I think you have to have the experience A of going to these places. Mm-mm. I think I think schools perhaps need to have better representation mm. so that, you know, like in the classroom, you have yeah. people mm-hmm. of colour who can share their experiences just in yeah. patterns, it doesn't become a, oh, this is a big event and, yeah. you know, whatever. You know, I used to tell, when I was teaching, I used to tell kids about my life, yeah. not, 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 not very personal stuff, yeah, but obviously sure. experiences mm. that I thought w- would make it real. Yeah. For them. Yeah, sure. You know, and occasionally you can have big events where you invite people to come mm-hmm. that they can relate to, yeah. to talk about, you know, why, you know, having an education is a good thing. I mean, it's not mm. the only way to progress in life. Mm. And let's not forget that. Yeah. But if you are going to go to university, you know, or mm. you're thinking about it, it's not beyond your reach. You know, you have every right to. Yes. To want to go, if that's what you feel is right for you, and you have every right to feel comfortable when you get there. Mm.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, absolutely. No, no. That's and it's important, I guess, to get that message across. And I know, obviously, because we're reading um, about you know, the guide to university. But, uh, you know, in the same, um, I guess, same breath to just say that even those uh, people who maybe don't want to go to university either, but, you know, in any space that they want to follow, any journey they want, that, you know, they're able um, to do that, which is so important. But we're just heading over to, uh, well, um, to the end of the show. So thank you so much, Elsa, for your time and your contributions. That was really um, lovely speaking to you. So thank you so much. Um okay, and, thank you. And so um, it's just, I think, being... The most important thing really that I like people to take away is that we do belong in spaces and we shouldn't, even this idea of feeling grateful is not actually necessary because if we've earned our space somewhere, we should be able to own that and just be really proud. and um, so if you are, um, obviously, um, maybe available this evening, we have um, um, Saheima and Waithra joining us this evening to talk about Fly Girls Guide to University at the Hat Factory. And um, I will be back in a couple of weeks with um, a different book. So I hope you will join me again. Have a lovely week in the meantime. Assalamualaikum.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org?